ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Hawks roster is essentially set, so what should those expectations be? Welcome to the Hawks Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And I'm happy to be here for my second episode hosting and holding on to the reins here. So if you're listening for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So there's still about eight weeks left until the Hawks training camp begins. And I mean, most of the NBA training camps begin. But before we get there, uh, you know, we want to see if this team is going to be a championship winning team or a championship winning roster. So to hear to chat about that with us today, we have my good friend and, you know, an NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, Mr. Vinny Goodwill here in the building. Hey, good to be on with you, Lon. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. Um, I'm so excited that you're my first official guest of the podcast of me being the host. So I kind of want to get into this roster, talk about what the expectations for this Hawks team is going to be and, and what fans should be willing to put up with with this roster. So before we get to that, I kind of want to take us back to last season and get your thoughts on what you thought the expectations for this Hawks roster should have been. And did they re- did they reach those expectations? I think, Lon, it would be hard to say that they met those expectations when you make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals and perform the way that they performed, where, you know, maybe a Trey Young doesn't step on a referee's ankle and everything else. Maybe you wind up going a lot further than anybody could have ever anticipated. So that's going to always whet the appetite, especially when you haven't been a franchise that's had a lot of traditional success. When you get that first real taste of something that is sustainable, you kind of have to kind of run it back and see, you know, where it runs its course, especially when you consider that the team went on the run, you know, when Nate McMillan took over, the defense got better, you know, you were just trying to figure out, especially with it's such a young team, you kind of have to give them the runway to figure things out. Did they, did they meet expectations? Of, of course they didn't. You know what I mean? When you find yourselves, you know, nowhere near the position uh, that you were in the year before in that four or five spot, they weren't there. And we can say whatever we wanted to say about Philadelphia having a meltdown, mm-hmm. but the Hawks pushed them to that corner. They, mm-hmm. And they showed the ability to push teams to uncomfortable positions. They didn't do a lot of that last year. Now, you can say from an even individual standpoint, Trey Young was still excellent. And you were trying to figure out, okay, where does John Collins fit in this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where's where's DeAndre Hunter fit in this? Where does Cam Reddish fit in this? Cam Reddish wound up being traded. So you had a lot of questions was about a young team that still needed to be answered before you could make significant roster changes. And I should I think Hawks fans should feel comfortable with that, especially with some of the moves that they've made, 
you know, so far this offseason where clearly the expectations are going to be higher. For sure. And I think one thing would be remiss to not mention is the fact that last season, this team kind of essentially brought back everybody from the roster that was on that Eastern Conference Finals team. Mm-hmm. And we saw the East got better last season. So how much of that do you think made an impact on the disappointing finish that this Hawks, that that Hawks team had? I think it's important to have perspective. In just the same way when you talk about, hey, look at what we did to Philadelphia, you know, in the semis, you also have to have a sober approach and say, okay, how many top 25 players do we have on this roster? If we only have one, if you look at most of the teams around the league, if you at least look at the teams in the Eastern Conference, you mentioned the conference getting better. You can look at Milwaukee and say they've got three top 25 players, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. You can look at Brooklyn. As much as they were a mess, you could you could have said that Kevin Durant is a top two player. Then you got Kyrie Irving when he's right is a, is a top 30 player or top 25 player, depending on the day. And James Harden when he was there. And, you know, the same thing with Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, James Harden. So when you talk about the expectations for the roster, I'll always go back to how many top level guys at their position mm-hmm. do you have? Mm-hmm. You have Trey Young. That's one. Yep. John Collins is still ascending. We're still trying to figure things out. He has mm-hmm. all the makeup and the skill set, right? Mm-hmm. He's a big that can run the floor. Yep. He can handle the ball. He can shoot the three and he can finish at the rim. That's like a 5 2 player in baseball. He can do everything that you want him to do. The problem is, can you get him to do that every night? Can Is he the guy that can defend and help defend on the back line? Can he play small ball five? Those are the sort of questions that you have. So I didn't really have a problem with them bringing the same guys back, but you also had to have a realistic approach and saying, okay, can this roster be better than the sum of our parts? And I don't think they were, but I shouldn't. I don't think it should have been expected that with the better talent in the Eastern Conference, you're talking about Chicago, you're talking about Boston, two teams we didn't even mention. The team that went to the NBA Finals, you know, two months ago, the Boston Celtics. Last month, the Boston Celtics. Once again, two top twenty players mm-hmm. on their roster. So when you talk about expectations, how many top twenty players do you have on your roster that will wind up lifting you above some of these other teams in your in your conference? And, and now looking ahead to this upcoming season, do you see them having those top 25 players on this roster right now? I mean, they added DeJounte Murray, who is a versatile two-way guy. He can give you offense pretty much consistently. I mean, he was averaging, what, 20-point-something points per game, nine-something assists. And, and then you also have Trey Young. So with this move, do you think this Hawks roster got better? Yeah, I mean, clearly, when you get a DeJounte Murray, an, an all-star player, to pair with Trey Young, and you did it quietly. Like, there weren't a whole lot of rumblings about the Atlanta Hawks making this type of move. Part of that is the Hawks and the way they do business. Part of that is the San Antonio Spurs and the way they do business. But you didn't allow for another team to swoop in and take DeJounte Murray off, you know, off before you could wind up, you know, really getting them. And here's the other thing about it that I like about DeJounte. Not only does he play defense, not only is he a guy that can change the tempo offensively and defensively. A lot of times guys can change the tempo with their pressure defensively. They can, they can speed the team up or slow them down. But he's a guy that can also be a secondary playmaker. He's a guy that can allow Trey Young to play off of the ball a little bit more. And we haven't had a chance to see a lot of that in Trey Young's first few years just because of the responsibility that he's had, the construction of the roster and everything else. But now if he's – you're talking about a guy that that's Trey, he's got a 
you know, he can spot up from 30 feet, 25 feet. He has to be accounted for when he doesn't have the ball. He could be just as dangerous. Like the optimal version of Trey Young can be just as dangerous without the ball as he can be with it. So instead of you playing five on five, you're playing four on four with a whole lot of space. And I think that's where DeJounte Murray enables you to play a certain style where you're not as dependent on Trey Young to make every play. That might mean his stats go down, but that also might mean you might get a more efficient, a more effective Trey Young, which can only mean a better Atlanta Hawks team. So you anticipate them coexisting pretty well then? Yeah, well, I mean, here's another part of it. They're both represented by Clutch. And <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's by accident. Right. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. I think these are, you know, they I, I'm sure that they've had a pre-existing relationship where, you know, I'm sure they both knew about the possibility of them playing with each other and talking about it and, you know, figuring out how things will work. And it's always easy to talk about it, you know, before. It's always like you saw Russell Westbrook and uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis have all these big summer powwows last year, right? Yeah. We're, we're going to make all these sacrifices and da-da-da-da. Then you come to the season and you saw what happened happens. But this is a little <laughs> bit different where, you know, DeJounte Murray, he's younger, you yeah. know what I mean? He, his body is nowhere near, you know, being shot. Trey Young is still ascending. You got two players who are ascending. Do I think it's going to be an adjustment period? Absolutely. But do I think that when you have guys that are similarly minded, like-minded, that have a certain common existing relationship with their agency, they'll at least have the correct objective. And now it's going, not going to be the personal stuff is not going to get in the way of helping them get to where they want to get to. It may take some time, but it is, I think, the possibility for a good long-term pairing. So how realistically would you say it would be maybe the first, you know, maybe 20 games of the season that they have this adjustment period or, or should it, should people anticipate it being longer? I think people should anticipate it being longer and not from the standpoint that both sides aren't willing, but when you have a player who's used to having the ball in his hands a lot and even though DeJounte Murray averaged a lot of a lot of assists, he wasn't like a ball-dominant guy. That's not the way that Greg Popovich runs his offense. It's almost is it's very read and react. It's very, you know, passing and cutting and moving around and everything else. They, they don't play just, oh, pick and roll, swing, swing. They do a lot of secondary playmakers and things like that. So he's used to being able to play some off the ball. Trey Young is still going to have a decent amount of usage. He's still going to have a lot of things run through him. And now you're talking about also being held accountable more defensively. You know what I mean? Like, like hopefully with lessening the burden on Trey Young having the ball as much, you can devote a little more attention to playing defense and to being more aware on that end. A lot of times you'll see the best players on a lot of teams won't even pay much attention to that end of the floor because they need to conserve all their all their energy for on offense and 90% of the time, everything runs through that. I think that's kind of a, a terrible thing in today's game, you know, where you only have, you know, one guy making all the plays because that's what the numbers say as opposed to maybe diversifying your offense. But I do think Atlanta's going to have a diversified offense. I do think it's going to take a little bit of time because that's a big piece to integrate into a team. It's not in midseason. You know, yeah, you come in during the offseason and everything else, but training camp is only a few weeks and you jump right into it. And in a better Eastern Conference, Milwaukee stayed the same. Boston stayed the same. You know what I mean? Like Chicago stayed the same. There's so many other teams that while they improved, they improved around the margins. They didn't make big wholesale changes here. So they are a little more further ahead in the we know who we are 
process than Atlanta is, and that may manifest itself in the first 20, 25, 30 games. So if we're looking at this as a whole, this was a good investment for the Hawks to make. You don't think adding or giving up Gallinari two unprotected first round picks and an, and another first round pick, so three first round picks. It was steep. Yeah, it, steep. it was it was steep, but I, I factor in a number of things when you talk about unprotected first round picks, and I'm sure you learned you could see around the league this summer. A lot of teams were throwing around unprotected first in ways that they haven't probably in the past maybe 15 years or so. You know, like for a long time, people looked at first round picks as gold because they're cost effective. You know exactly how much these guys are going to pay are, are going to pay and you're going to have them for a number of years. I won't say the problem is the cap is going to rise exponentially. Right. So before, if a rookie was a four million dollar a year player. Right. Lauren, in three years with the cap going up and the media rights still coming in, which teams know about, that $4 million a year player may be a $10 million a year player now. So it's a lot more difficult to swallow as a cost control piece. So if we're going to do that as an organization, if that guy is going to be a $10 million a year player, this unprotected, unknown draft pick, I might be better off trading it for a known asset. I'm, don't get me wrong, DeJounte Murray is going to make a lot more money, but I know what I'm getting more. And also, the arms race of the Eastern Conference. It's no longer, hey, LeBron James is at the top and everybody else is playing for second. All of these teams, the Miamis, Milwaukee's, Boston's, even Toronto, you know, with more years of experience, Philadelphia, all these teams see an opening at the top of the Eastern Conference where they say, you know what, if a couple things breaks right, we can we can be in the finals again, or we can be in, the, in Milwaukee. Said we can be in the finals again. Boston says we can be in the finals again. So you got to push all your chips to the center of the table because that's what's required to compete in the Eastern Conference. So will it hurt them at some point? Yeah. Probably, but does it give you a better chance to win now? Absolutely. I was just about to ask that. I mean, how if you were to see this blowing up? Not that anybody wants this to blow up, but how do you see this egg kind of coming back on the Hawks' face? If DeJounte Murray isn't healthy, if, you know, if Trey Young doesn't figure out playing, if they don't figure out the mesh of playing, you know, without the ball, if, you know, the John Collins situation still looms because his name is always in trade talks. And no matter what anybody says, especially when you're a young guy, even if you've had your money and he's got his money, he, you know, the NBA is not the NFL. If, if you get traded, your money comes with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I still think that, you know, young players do crave stability. They do want to know that where they are is where they're going to be and that they feel wanted and valued and everything else and valued beyond the money. In the beginning, it is value me with the money. Mm-hmm. After they get the money, it is value me in some other way because now I don't have the money as a goal. The money is is no longer a variable. Now you have to value me in terms of this my status on the team. You have to value me in terms of the stability, in terms of the locker room, everything else. So now... If John Collins is going to stay, they have to provide an atmosphere that says, hey, your name is in trade conversations because people want you, not because we're trying to get rid of you, and for him to be able to understand that. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on and one thing that you know we want to talk about as well is the rest of the roster obviously murray was the headline move that the hawks made but they also made some other deals including the one where they traded kevin herter to the sacramento kings for justin holiday and mo harkless as well as a future first so how do you see holiday and harkless kind of filling that void that Herder kind of, you know, built for himself on this team. I don't know if they, I don't know if he feel, I don't know if they, those guys feel that, you know, particular void. I think Justin Holiday is a good vet. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that's necessary to have. I think sometimes we look at things just from a basketball standpoint and where he fits on the floor. But especially when you have a young team where your best players are your younger players, are your most experienced players. I think sometimes you need to have a voice in the locker room. The voice can't always be the coach. Like if, you're, if your coach is the guy that leads everything and there's no player participation, there's no stability, you know, within the locker room that can sort of keep guys in line, you're probably not going to have a really good team. So I think Justin Holiday being the good vet is worth more. And does can he play? Absolutely. Hit shots. He's versatile. He's long and rangy. He's not Drew Holiday. You know what I mean? He's not as you know. He's not Drew, but <laughs> but he but he does provide a certain tenacity and a certain veteran presence on the floor. He can hit the corner three. You know, which is basically what you're going to need whenever you have, you know, Dejounte Murray and Trey Young on the floor. You're going to need additional shooting to be able to spread the floor and let those guys get avenues to the rim. And if nothing else, just to keep defenses honest. And if the defense collapses, you got to be able to make them pay with a guy, you know, like Justin Holiday. A Mo Harkless, that's been a guy I've been waiting on Mo Harkless to turn into, you know, <laughs> the guy that I've been waiting for for the past yeah. six or seven years. You know what I mean? He has all the physical tools. Mm-hmm. and But now, not to say he's just a body, but he's a bigger body, yeah. you know what I mean, in terms of Justin Holiday being a, a little lighter. You know, Mo Harkless is a, is a little bigger. So mm-hmm. I think that veteran presence means more than what they do on the floor. But you have a veteran presence presence. And a guy that actually that can actually hit a couple shots when he's out there. You brought up taking pressure off of Trey Young, and that kind of leads right into this audio clip that we have from Hawks uh, general manager Landry Fields talking about Hunter and how you know he anticipates him fitting on the roster. Yeah, well, I mean, DeAndre's been progressing very well this offseason. Um, hopefully, he can continue to take steps personally that are going to help us out. I think it's always important to take some load off of Trey and to help him out as best we can on the offensive end. 
and um, at the same time for him developing himself, developing defensively, developing how he can be more efficient and, and better offensively as well. I think if you take all that stuff and put it hand-to-hand, hopefully we take the, the steps necessary. So when you hear that, what do, what do you think, you know, Hunter commands? Like what, what should the Hawks be offering and what should Hunter be asking for? It, it's tough because you're talking about a player that hadn't been able to stay on the floor a lot of time. You know what I mean? With health and everything else. So being able to stay on the floor and, and being in year three going into year, you know, going into year four, I'm sure to some level he might want that security. Like all young players, you know, you want you want the security. But who knows if the Hawks are going to offer him something. They haven't talked, I think, October 15th. Uh, before you know, you're going October 15th is the uh, is the deadline for the that draft class uh, to come up with their their rookie scale extensions. If not, they're going to go into uh, restricted free agency in July. But depending on where you are in your career, you know if you've missed over half the games because of injury, you know who knows what type of long term investment the team is going to you know put on you. You know, but if you can show in year four, you know, hey. I can, not only can I stay on the floor, but I'm also pr- improving and progressing and everything else. You know what I mean? Like, that is a different level of confidence that that you can have. I think last year he improved from three. I think he shot around 38%. That's really good for a third-year player, no matter how many games he played. I think like, yeah. like 52, 53 games. But to make that jump from year two, I think, where he shot around 32 to shooting 38 in year three, that's not to say he's going to shoot 42% from three this year. 38 may wind up being the high watermark, but if you're a consistent 38% shooter, it kind of makes up for, hey, he's not necessarily the best playmaker, but he's also a guy that can really, really defend a bunch of positions, and he's also athletic enough to get out in the open floor when you have two guys in Trey and DeJounte that should be able to do look-ahead passes and be able to push the pace and everything else. Like, like DeJounte Murray, the acquisition of him, can make life easier for other players because you have another guy that can get it off the glass and push the tempo and push the pace and put defenses in positions where they're going to be stressed out. DeAndre Hunter could wind up being a guy that benefits from that. And if that's the case, maybe you play the season out. And you don't worry about, you know, the contract. You're going to, the contract's going to be in your head regardless, but you don't want to take what you feel is a substandard number and then feel like you're playing the next three or four years having to prove something to the team as opposed to, hey, you know what? This could be my prove-it year, and I can really go out here and make a bang. And if I make a bang, that means we're better. And if we're better, that also means that you're more incentivized to pay me more. I guess it's hard to ask this then, but what do you see the number being, though, that he could command? It's it's hard because a lot. I'm trying to think of the, the rookie, the guys from that draft class who signed already. Usually, the guys that have signed already are the no brainer mm-hmm. max players, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are the, those are the super super easy ones that you don't even have to think about. Those those contracts aren't really that hard. Are you a max player? Yes. All right, then we're going to max you out, and you kind of leave that. You, you you know what I mean? You kind of leave that where it is. But him being, you know. Yeah, I think John Morant signed for the rookie extension, uh, the, the full rookie max. Zion signed for the full rookie max, probably with some contingencies and everything in there. You know, I think there was something that came out about his weight the other day. But yeah. think about, you know, Darius Garland, another guy who signed for the max. But when you think about Kobe White, hasn't signed for anything. You know, Cam Johnson, but is DeAndre Hunter as good as Cam Johnson? 
Cam Johnson is better yeah. right now, and that's proven more. You know what I mean? So that's that's there's no precedent in that rookie class, and you don't. A lot of times, you don't want to be the one to set the precedent, yeah. especially for all the other factors. Yeah, we like you as a player. We want to continue this relationship and everything else, but you got to be able to stay on the floor. You know, the year that they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think he played 26 games. You know what I mean? He played 50, he played 54, you know, last year, 52 last year. So you've got, yes, it's an improvement, but you got to show that you can stay, you know, on the floor. 53 games last year, and he played mm-hmm. 20, 23 uh, in, in the yeah, 72. The year before, yeah. In the 72 game shortened season. So you've got to show, but does he profile as a player that can, that can get, you know, $15 million a year, something like that. Sure. Yeah, sure. Potentially. Absolutely. But there's no incentive for the Hawks to actually do anything right now. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no incentive for him to take something that would be perceived as less because of what he's proven hasn't been much when he's been on, you know, when he's actually been out there. So once again, it goes back to the point. It's probably better for both sides to play this season out and wait it out and then go back to the table in July. That makes sense. And I mean, switching gears now a little bit, one one guy that the Hawks have already kind of given a bit of a commitment to, even though his name already <laughs> is always in the trade talks, is uh, John Collins. So I'm just kind of curious for you, what have you heard around the league that has been the hesitation why someone hasn't bought in into what Collins could offer them? I don't even know if it's a matter of that. I think a lot of times it's a matter of, you know, a job, I'm not saying driving a hard bargain, but you, you got to figure out how he profiles. Mm. Is he a 20-point scorer? You know, is he a guy that you can that you can say, okay, you know what, even though you're, you're not, not traditionally a post player, this isn't a traditionally, you know, a post league in that way, you know, can you, can you fit inside of an offense – that isn't necessarily geared around you, that we're going to still play high pick and roll. We're still going to give you space to roll to the rim without you being necessarily a primary offensive hub. Is that going to be, you know, enough? When you're making the type of money that he's making, you're going to want more. So I don't think it's necessarily a hesitation, but also I don't see why the Hawks would be so willing to get rid of him. Yeah. I like John Collins a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. find guys that can do what he does. Do you, you want rim protection? Yes, you want a guy that can that can stretch the floor. Yes, you want a guy that can finish at the rim. Yes, very rarely, Lauren, do you find that in one guy. Yeah. You usually put that together in two guys. A guy that can, you know, usually sometimes a guy that can stretch the floor is not usually a guy that can play above the rim and defend the rim. And usually a guy that can play above the rim isn't a guy that's going to be able to shoot, has the ability to shoot 36, 37, 38% from three. It's very rare to have all that package in one player. So if even though his name might be out there from the Hawks, you can go to the doorstep and be like, you know what? I really don't want to do this. Let's try to fi- <laughs> let's try to figure this out. You know, you like I'm gonna break up with this dude. But then this dude just smiled and winked at me. I don't think I'm leaving him. You can stay for another week. So that's kind of what that is. So you think he'll be here next year? I think his name will still be in, in the conversation because he's such a valuable player. But I would, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised 
if he were moved, mm-hmm. but I would not be surprised if he stayed. Like he's he's like at some point there's enough sp- a smoke over the past year or so where you're like, okay, something's going to happen. But I just don't know if there's any rush or any haste in that happening, especially when you got to add a guy like Dejounte Murray. You're trying to figure out how all these pieces fit mm-hmm. together. I don't think you'll be in a rush to move off of him anytime soon. For sure. So I think one thing that we saw this year too is that. The Hawks, they didn't necessarily completely gut the roster, but obviously with Murray, um, you know, they added in Holiday and Harkless. They kept uh, uh, Bogey, yep. Capella, Onyeka Okwangu, Jalen Johnson, and of course Collins. So do you think this roster, and you kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning of our chat, but mm-hmm. is this roster one that can make a real push in the playoffs? I I think in terms of what tier they're at, right? Like in terms of like a high watermark for right now, Mm -hmm. I look at Milwaukee, I look at Boston, I look at Miami in a top tier. Like those are three teams that I believe can make the NBA finals, right? This is is excluding Kevin Durant. Like let's just take Kevin Durant to Brooklyn that's out of this because He's issued a trade demand and everything else, right? So let's yeah. just take Brook- let's take Brooklyn out of it. That that tier is there. The next tier is Philadelphia, right? The next tier is is Philly. It is maybe Cleveland if they make you know another jump, and 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 Chicago. I still think Toronto might be a little bit away. It depends on how fast you know Scotty Barnes can really really develop. They're putting a lot onto him. Yeah, I would put the Hawks right underneath in the same tier but just not as high of a ceiling as the as the Philadelphia 76ers people believe you know when you got Joel Embiid who's arguably you know one of the three best players in the game you know mm-hmm. you got a chance to make it to the finals who impacts the game on both ends of the floor and everything else I think they're in the same tier just different levels of how high can you go you know what I mean like mm-hmm. do I do I think they can potentially be better than Cleveland sure mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying but I think you're battling in that step above you're not quite in the play in mm-hmm. but you're not in the spot where you can realistically get to the nba finals can you be in a spot where you can maybe some things break right get back to the eastern conference finals mm-hmm. and give yourself a shot sure but mm-hmm. do i think that they're in that top tier no I, I don't i don't see the high level game game changing you know super supernova players that miami has or that that boston has or that milwaukee has so do you anticipate the Hawks maybe making, I guess it, and maybe it's too soon to even right. try and project this, but will they be making any moves between, you know, the start of the season and next and the, and the trade deadline in February to maybe make that last push into the, into the higher level tiers? It depends on trajectory you're, you're looking at. You know what I mean? Like, you know, one, yeah, John Collins is on the max. Trey is on the max, DeJounte's on the max, like all different, you know, sort of scales, mm-hmm. you know, uh, scales of the max. We have, quote unquote, max players, right? So it all depends on, and, and Bogey's really, really good. Like, let I haven't mentioned him a lot, but he's yeah. really, really, really good. He I fits. Like him. He fits right in with what they with what they do. He can create his, he can create his own shot. He uh, he doesn't need the entire floor to get his own shot he's he can good spot up he's good you know switches he has he has really good size and everything else he fits into a team defense construct you know that just sort of just just sort of being able to fit in with what you do when you have a flashy sort of 
player who commands so much attention like Trey, you need someone a little more on a on a low maintenance side, on someone who can sort of spread the floor from you know on a twelve foot string from Trey Young just to be that safety valve. Yeah, but to your original question, it like it depends on how quick if they mesh quickly, mm-hmm. and you find yourself within striking distance of you know of the top of the Eastern Conference, and you feel like you are a player away. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, someone else will. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 what we've seen in this NBA is that either you're contending or you're not. Right. You know what I mean? So many. Like, I had one GM tell me, everybody's rebuilding. Either you're rebuilding from something, or you're rebuilding to something, or you're the champions. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're the Hawks, you're in this spot where you have to evaluate what you have, and you have to see how this pairing meshes. And then you have to say, okay, if we're 30 games in, 40 games in, are we close enough where we can realistically make a move? If you're, if it's not going to put you to that next tier, I wouldn't recommend it. But if it puts you in a better position to have a chance in the playoff series because you're going against teams that have put all their chips to the center of the table, you kind of have to do it yourself just to keep pace. So if things aren't meshing and we're, I guess, say – December, January, and it's not looking great. Could Hunter, Collins, maybe that first round pick they got from Sacramento be enough of a package to get somebody like KD who maybe they can use to to push them over the edge? Or is that not enough for them to even compete in the conversation to bring KD? I think it's tough to gauge the market of Kevin Durant because you, you're looking at some of the things that have been out there about what Brooklyn wants, mm-hmm. right? Brooklyn wants really good players who can sort of help them because they don't want to be bad. Really good players, and they want to, and they want draft picks. They want the entire package. Now, I don't know if Kevin Durant is going to be with Brooklyn in January. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I do think he's a, a professional. He's going to, if you know, you would think that he would show up to camp and everything else, but he may have to make things ugly to force Brooklyn's hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would, yeah. <laughs> it, but now would 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 Trey and Kevin Durant be an intriguing sort of situation? Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? That that shooting, that versatility, mm-hmm. you know that that playmaking, you know, absolutely. But I don't know if he would be realistically in the Hawks' cards at this point. Mm-hmm. So, where do you see KD ending up? I don't know. <laughs> and for a minute, I thought the Phoenix Suns. I, I for sure yeah. thought the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I thought the Miami Heat had probably as like a forty percent chance to Phoenix. Phoenix is sixty, and then the DeAndre Ayton, you know, resigning happened, and that kind of took them out of it. I'm not sure, you know, especially with rookie designated deals and everything else. When with Bam Adebayo, you can't trade Bam to right. Brooklyn because of Ben Simmons being on a on a on a Rolls Max and everything else. It makes it there. There are fewer paths. Right. You know, to trade a Kevin Durant. Could a team come out of the woodwork, a mystery team come out of the woodwork? Could it be the Boston Celtics, who we've heard about, you know, recently? Sure. But I think I do think Kevin Durant means business when he says he does not want to be in Brooklyn. Oh, I believe it, too. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I believe it, too. And I think, you know, the other guy who clearly doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore, Kyrie, like, where do you anticipate him ending up? I mean, do I think that there's a possibility a Laker deal gets done with, you know, with them? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're, we're right now, I believe, kind of in like this dead point of of the NBA sort of offseason where we all need a break. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? The executives need a break. The players yeah. need a break. You've had, you worked in three seasons in two years, you know, dating back to the bubble. So with business sort of being quieter, you know what I'm saying, right now, I would not be surprised. I don't say I would be surprised, but the Lakers don't want to throw in additional draft capital uh, to appease LeBron and Anthony Davis to get off of Russell Westbrook when they gave up draft capital, you know what I mean, to get Anthony Davis that they won't be able to get back and everything else. So I, I would not be surprised. You know, at some point it's going to be a tug of war who wins. But I don't know if I'll see Kyrie Irving being in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't know if, I don't know if, now granted, Kyrie and Kevin Durant are both, they can both be moody sort of, moody sort of chaps, right? <laughs> so anything could happen between now and then. I'll be the first to say that we have no clue of what's going to happen, yeah. you know, at the end of July, what's going to happen by the end of September. And then lastly, another name that's been kind of floating around that's a, you know, big trade piece, Donovan Mitchell. Do you see him being a Utah Jazz when the season starts? I'll be, be surprised. I mean, I won't say I'd be surprised if it was, but you can see the smoke, the flare signals that, mm-hmm. you know, Danny Ainge put out there. And Danny Ainge is one of those swing big executives where if right. we're not playing for a championship, then we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding with, with draft capital. And I'm trying to flip this thing really, really quickly. Like the one thing about the Utah Jazz, they've never been bad for a long period of time. So whatever he's going to get back for Donovan Mitchell, he's probably he's probably going to get everything that he wants in in theory. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell winds up in Miami because I don't know if Danny Ainge and Pat Riley would ever make nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> that type of thing. But yeah. do I do I see Donovan Mitchell possibly being on the move? He's throwing first pitches at Mets games and taking batting practice and stuff like that. Sure. You know, but what is his true value around the league is going to be an, another question. His true value around the league relative to what Danny Ainge is going to ask for. That, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, he's another big name that's out there. And we've heard the Knicks being, you know, mentioned. We've heard, you know, the Miami Heat being mentioned. Mm -hmm. I'll be very, very, very curious to see how that ends up in the next month or so. I think what we both can agree on is that it's unlikely that he will be a Hawks Hawks Yes, (laughs) yes, very unlikely. That's very unlikely. Very unlikely, very unlikely. All right, so, Vinny, what... What can we expect to see from you, you know, coming out of Yahoo Sports or, you know, Sirius XM? You know, what are you working on right now? Vacation. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> I'm working on vacation long. Don't ask me to do any work. Right? Do you know how, how long I've I'm... waited to be able to say I'm not doing anything? <laughs> well, I'm glad that you took some vacation time to be on this podcast with me. <laughs> Absolutely. I always good. that. Um, so where can people find you, though, once you come back from vacation? Once I come back from vacation, of course, mm-hmm. you can find me at, at Vince Goodwill on Twitter or go to, you know, yahoosports.com uh, slash NBA. You'll, you'll see me. You'll see other other our other NBA, quote unquote, experts there and everything mm-hmm. else. And occasionally you also hear me on Sirius XM NBA radio, you know, dishing out some of the same stuff that I'm dishing out here with you. Well, I'm glad I got it first. Absolutely. Um, so. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of The Hawks Report. Please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. Uh, That is really what helps us to grow this show. It also helps me to travel in the season. So I hope you guys will stick with us because we will have a lot more content coming for you. And uh, with that, I'm going to sign off. I'm Lauren Williams, and thank you for listening to The Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.